Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you ever look at your favorite celebrity and think, I wonder if we have anything in common? Well, there's at least one thing. No matter who you are, no one knows you better than your mum. I'm Peter Todd. I'm a columnist from Fabulous Magazine, where every week you can hear from the nation's most loved women on everything from fashion and beauty, health and fitness, and pretty much everything in between. I'm also a model and presenter, but my hardest job by far out of all of these is being a mum. Because mums shape who we are. They're there for us when we need them, and even when we might not want them to be. So, for this series, we decided to speak to some well-known, incredible women and find out just what makes these female relationships so formative. This is Things I Told My Daughter. For this episode, I'm joined by Georgie Porter and her mum, Julie. Georgie is most well-known for her role of Theresa McQueen in Hollyoaks, and in recent years has won the affection of the public even more when starring in reality shows such as Dancing on Ice and I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. Georgie is clearly a natural performer, but she would argue that her talent was nurtured by her mum and grandma while she was growing up. I'd say to my mum, right, she's, she's gone to bed so you don't need to do anything, I'm going out and I'll see you later. And she'd watch me go away from the house and then she'd go and get Georgie up, put a dressing gown on, She'd play the piano and George would dance. And that went on for years. Georgie and her mum, Julie, have such fun and bubbly personalities. They radiate positivity and light. But their recent past has been quite a turbulent one. With the loss of Georgie's grandma and auntie, plus her mum's twin brother during lockdown. And that's only scratching the surface. In this episode, Georgie was so brave and opened up to us about her devastating experience earlier this year when she miscarried quads. It was either for or none because, like having grown up with my mum and my grandma, it's always like, whenever we've had a hard time, we'll just get through it together. Georgie and Julie truly encapsulate the definition of a strong woman. Even through heartbreak, they take on the world together with compassion and humility. And I cannot wait for you to get to know them a little better. This is Things I Told My Daughter, with Georgie Porter and her mum, Julie. We have Georgie Porter and her lovely mum, Julie. Oh, thanks, Peter. (laughs) You are very welcome. I think even in the time in the run-up to this, it's been very clear for me to see that Georgie, you and your mum are very close. (laughs) Today we are. I feel as well, like, we've got uh, this 
this lion picture behind us, like that looks like you, Mum, and that looks like me. Like you, you big old mane, mane hair, and like how well, close we are. We're and it's not like, even my drawing. No, well, you you needed to mention that. that you yeah, are, yeah, she's an artist. Really, you're an artist. Yeah, Mum oh, is an incredible, okay. incredible artist. Like she can literally do anything and everything. I paint murals, caricatures, and I do embroidery and fine art. Those four things. And lucky for me today, she came round, she could finish painting the cupboard. So oh, I've just I, been painting a lot got her. <laughs> I got her in for that. Ah, oh, unpaid labour. I'm trying to do a mural, but they won't let me. No, no. She can't just, you'll turn around one day and she'll have painted like a Winnie the Pooh or something. or something on your wall. <laughs> I mean, there's worse things. There is worse things. So have you always been close growing up? You've always been best friends. Yeah. I think we've always been busy mates, like on pictures when I was a toddler. It looks like I loved you to bits, didn't it? Oh, you did. I didn't really remember much. But really, there was the three of us, my my mum as well. So there was the three generations. We were all close. Yeah, all women, strong women together. That's really yeah. something quite special, <laughs> like to have that, that three yeah. generations of women. Those two, grandma and her, used to gang up on me in a way. Yeah, we were like, you and me were like sisters, weren't yeah. we? Yeah. And like grandma was like my confidant my everything she was the woman that taught me like how to behave probably and if i'd say george go and see grandma and then my mum would be reading she said go and see your mum so she sent <laughs> from pillar to post <laughs> were you close with your mum julie when you were growing up well because i was expecting georgie and i wasn't with her father at the time she said you'll need someone with you for six weeks 26 years later we were all still together <laughs> She so just, we did live together, She yeah. was just going to help out for a week. She was then. only helping out for six weeks. Oh, six weeks, yeah. yeah. But then she ended up staying, and then we bought a house together. That's amazing. And I'm still in that one. You know, that's definitely not yeah. something that you see so often. A super special thing. Well, with Mum being musical, yeah. she was really musical, and she was the only one that really encouraged me being an artist. So the house was covered in murals. Yeah, and then Mum would say, oh, there's a space there, what are you going to do there? So I thought, great. <laughs> I grew up with my childhood of the seven dwarfs down the corridor, Snow White on my door, Cinderella on the bathroom, like Ariel. It was all Disney. <laughs> my mum would just paint the whole house. That was kind of normal for me because that was the only thing I knew. So. Yeah. And then there was one side of her bedroom, one wall, where we put lining paper up and we said, you can just paint or draw whatever you want, let all your friends draw. And that became amazing, that whole war. What was Georgie like as a child? One incident was I bought her this shell suit. Do you remember shell suits? Oh, <laughs> yes. She hated it. Plastic. It was horrible. Well, it was matching it was yours. Horrible. You had a matching one. I had a matching one. Oh. And then I couldn't find it one day and she'd stuffed it down the radiator <laughs> because she didn't want to wear it. But she was only two. Two. Two and a half. And I thought, two? How oh, she done that? Yeah. Two, yeah. I and she just thought, I need pictures. to hide it. I hate it. <laughs> at two, you knew your own mind from a very young age. I obviously knew what I wanted to wear at two. And, and then when, when she started to speak, a bit better. Wait, what was my first word? You know what my first word was? Aeroplane. Aeroplane? <laughs> How cool is that? She was being an aeroplane on the grass. Like this. <laughs> and then she just said, airplane, airplane. Oh, that's quite a first word. It wasn't mum. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not, probably grandma after that. Do you think that your mum and grandma had that huge role to play in you knowing your own mind and being as sort of a strong woman that you are? Do you think you look at them and like, 
that's you. Yeah, I think definitely. My grandma's uh, personality was extremely... Eccentric. She, yeah, eccentric. She, she's eccentric, wasn't she? She's very classically trained and very, she was a teacher. So the way she was, she was very much her own person. And I think you were very much your own person, weren't you, Mum? So I think I developed my own personality as my own person. You are a very creative household. You know, the arts is clearly something that's really important i don't think there was ever going to be a chance that that wasn't going to be in your blood by the sounds of it georgie Mm. yeah i mean it's funny because my grandma was the music influence and my mum was like the creative side but i like i dance now but mum can't clap to music i'm tone deaf (laughs) she can't clap to a beat which is like my party trick with my really really can't dance never danced yeah she takes the mickey out of me by saying clap to this mum but i'm not doing it (laughs) I mean, I was about to say, do you oblige? Do you do you try and clap? I used to. You're just literally so far gone. There's no way of finding a rhythm. No. <laughs> so is dancing your thing? Would you say that's what your passion is, Georgie? Is 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 dance? Is that where you feel most sort of in touch with yourself in dance? Yeah, absolutely. We were talking about this before, weren't we, Mum? We were mentioning what my grandma used to do. She used to play the piano when I was like in my nappies as a two-year-old and I danced to it so she'd encourage me loads to classical music. So because I was artistic and I used to go to an art group on a Wednesday night, seven o'clock, so I'd put George to bed. I'd say to my mum, right, she's, she's gone to bed so you don't need to do anything. I'm going out and I'll see you later. So I went, right, bye. And she'd watch me go away from the house and then she'd go and get Georgie up, put a dressing gown on, take her out to the shop in her pyjamas, to the corner shop, buy herself a little drink and get Georgie some chocolate. And then when they got home, she'd play the piano and George would dance. And that went on for years. And I never knew, George only told me about three years ago. Mm. And I, I just went, I, that is amazing because they would never, t- it was their secret. And I thought, did they think I was going to go mad or tell them off? But I love it. I love yeah. that little thing that went on. I think it made it more special probably yeah. by the fact that it was just you two, like your thing yeah. made it. Yeah. Even more of a special thing to have been a part of. And that was the part of my, my mum. She'd encouraged George's dancing, encouraged my art, yeah. whereas other people would be like, you're ruining this house with those murals. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I think even going back to when you said, like, has ballet always been your thing? So it was always my thing since I was two. And I think because I always used to watch, like, MTV dance shows and MTV bass and stuff, and then I really got into dancing in the living room, didn't I, Mum? You'd have to clear a space for me. And I just absolutely wild out when I like you'd be like, right, here she goes. Would you try and watch telly? Was I in your way? Like what always <laughs> <laughs> So ballet. Ballet was your love, Georgie. Obviously people would know you best, I would probably say for your role in Hollyoaks. Mm. How does acting compare for you to dancing? Dancing to me is an unbelievable feeling of expressing myself. I I literally, I get really upset if I don't get to dance. I was lucky enough when I did leave Hollyoaks for a bit, I got to be um, the ballerina in Fame, the musical. And for me, that, every single day doing ballet, I literally woke up like, oh my God, thank you so much. The thought that I could do it at the age of 30 still and like perform and people still be shocked that I could dance as well and still be able to dance was like uh, it was just amazing and I actually do really miss dancing just everyday 
because it, it's just an outlet of emotions for me. Like I think once you've got like a passion or something you love to do so much and you just can express yourself like that, it's just that it's just, I don't know, it's just amazing. It's my best thing ever. So how did acting and Hollyoaks and things like that come along? When you got to ballet school. Well, but how did I get to ballet school, Mum? Because, like, you... because you need, we needed about £57,000 to put her into ballet school yeah. because she didn't get a scholarship or anything. So I thought, right, I'm going to produce a book of all my drawings and I'll sell it and, and I'll write to but what was loads your... of famous people and but, get some money. But what was your job, Mum? Like, you, like your job was... Oh, I was a lifeguard. Lifeguard. So I was... Um, yeah, I was writing to famous people. Oh, Matthew Kelly. He was one of the he first people. He gave us £100. Pounds. Yeah, he gave us £100. Pounds. So that started us off. Really? That got Mum really excited about the yeah, fact that people would Matthew reply. Kelly. Yeah. And Thanks, then... Matthew. <laughs> Yeah. And then um, I wrote to all sorts of people like Tom Courtney and Ben Kingsley and even Muhammad Ali and Nelson Mandela were alive at the time. So. Nelson Mandela asking for money for me to go to ballet school. Yeah. But I got their autograph. <laughs> they just sent me back an autograph. That was yeah. cool though, wasn't it? Eh? Yeah, but, nice. So then I produced this book thinking if I sell that, that'll get money. Obviously I wanted to be a ballerina for all my life. And in high school and stuff, I was like, that's the only option I'm going to be. People would say, what, what other things? I'd be like, just ballet, that's all, I'm going to be a dancer. And then you and uh, Uncle Lukey sometimes, your brother, would take me to auditions like across London, across the country, Epson. wouldn't you? Epson. <laughs> Remember um, that one. And we'd go across the country going to audition for ballet schools. Not all of them would, like, you know, be too keen on me. But we did get into one, didn't we? Chester. Yeah. Uh, the Hammond. And... No, no, you didn't get in oh. there first. Oh, so, right. so what Oops. happened? Oh. <laughs> what, what happened was I was adamant I was going to get this money because they accepted her, but we'd uh, have to pay all the fees. And then a week before they were due to start, they said we've got a, um, a, scholarship, a scholarship for option. them. Yeah. So I had the weekend to reread this letter saying, I don't know what it says. I don't know if it's letting her come in. So I was in a big panic, and then um, you got the scholarship, so you were in the Hammond. And it was like, wow. Yeah. And I didn't have to do the book, even though I did do it. <laughs> but I didn't I didn't need the proceeds anymore. So I think if I was gonna have someone on my team in my corner, I think it would be Julie. No disrespect, Georgie, Bear would be Julie. <laughs> she is a supporter. She's a porter supporter. Porter supporter. She literally encouraged everyone to live their dreams. You're pretty you're pretty alright, aren't you, yeah, our kid? I'm not bad. Yeah, right, this kid. long to find out. <laughs> During my time at the Hammond, I sometimes would just go to acting school a lot more. There was an acting coach, Karen West, who I absolutely just adored. I thought she was brilliant and I'd go to all her classes and even sometimes if I didn't have my ballet shoes that time, I'd forgotten them or they'd got holes in. Um, I'd go to her classes and go there and she, I think she saw something in me as well and she got me involved with her agent who was in Manchester and then I was sort of signed by her and she then got me an audition for Hollyoaks and it was really quick because she was just like, I'll try this part, it's Theresa McQueen and they've been looking for this part for months. And then I'd gone there thinking, oh, I'm not appropriate for this because a lot of the girls were just wearing underwear, like bra tops and thinking this was the style of going. And I wore woolly socks up to my knees and a woolly hat did the audition and they were like wow this is what we're looking for and it was supposed to just be a three-month contract i think and we got the call didn't we mum was we in tesco no trapper center going over to the 
Oh, the other side. Oh, the bridge was just built. Very exciting for us. Me and my mum loved the Trafford Centre. We go, like, we used to go a lot every Friday, didn't we? Just to hang about. Mum used to put me in the kids' club at the age of 13 and she'd go out to get the bargains. (laughs) All the other kids were eight. (laughs) And I was still in there like, yeah. (laughs) And so we got the call when we were at the Trafford Centre, our favourite place. And what did we do? We We swore. I mean, there was massive amounts of swearing. Obviously, we were elated because there's no, it's not a chance you and me thought we'd ever get this, is there? Not what, what did you say to me? You were like, I didn't even think you'd get it, did you? You you were quite honest. You're quite honest, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, we, we literally both just screamed, I think, and like ran around. And, and then I was in Hollyoaks the next day. It was like that quick turnaround. The next day? Yeah, it was the next you day. You had to go for the audition the next day, didn't you? Well, no, I did. Yeah, I, I mean, did the audition. Filming. Yeah, like the makeup and thing and then be in the next day. It all happened because they were waiting for this character, I think. So how was that, Judy, seeing Georgie on TV for that? So going from one thing left for the first time. So weird. And of course, my mum was watching it, who's partial sighted, like I said. So I had to keep going, no, that's her. And they say, which one? I go, she's gone now. Sometimes I go, oh, she's back, she's back. So I didn't really get to see it because I had to explain. And that was before like (laughs) Sky recording, was it? Then I suppose, because you couldn't just rewind it. No, you couldn't pause or rewind. Kids these days, they don't know what that was like. (laughs) Like rushing in between adverts. Like you need a toilet now. Now's the time to go. (laughs) (laughs) When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I think it's clear to see that there's been, well, a lot of laughs, uh, for sure. And in July of 2021, you announced that you had found the one. You'd found your one. So tell me a little bit about that, about your one. I want to know Julie's full thoughts about whether he got approval, because I would be terrified Uh coming back to meet your approval. Yeah, mum's the kind of person to put a hand out to shake them and then, you know, like wiggle it on a nose like that. And you're like, oh, mum, that's not cool. (laughs) So yeah, I rekindled my love with Ollie. We met up for um, a coffee and it turned out to be just literally a full on date hours and hours we didn't want to part on that day in fact because we literally it was a weird feeling when you say when people say you meet the one and you know I never believed that before until Ollie literally appeared and I was like wow we literally and he was like yeah you are the one I want to spend the rest of my life with and I was like oh my god you are my forever and it sounds crazy because I'd have never believed that ever but it literally just hit us and then ever since that that day we've literally not been apart it's so weird saying this and I suppose when I was well you never thought I'd find the one would you but when I brought 
Ollie back. So we met seven years ago. We dated a little bit briefly then, but then we went our separate ways then. And so we've come back around. And mum, you remember him the first time, don't you? The first thing he did was he came to pick me up in his car and he went, right, where's Julie? Where's me Julie? And I went, Julie. Oh, you remember my mum? Okay, like... I don't think you forget, Julie. <laughs> Yeah, but he said to me, he said, you don't remember me, do you? I said, yeah, I do. I remember you sat on the wall. Yeah. There's a wall between, because Georgie lived next door to me. She bought the house next door. Mm. So there was a wall between, and everyone would jump up and down on that wall. Yeah. And Ollie was sat on it. And then he'd always make you bruise. This is weird, like, bond you two have in it, because I don't make cups of tea. Oh, cup of but tea. But these two are like, obsessed with bruise because I don't make them for any of them they just will make each other bruise constantly so he'd climb over the wall she'd climb over the wall they make each other bruise in the morning when I'd still be in bed because well he'd knock on the window with the brush oh right and he'd yeah. say you're brewing up <laughs> and I, I work at home now so I had a class of people in my front room back room and he'd be are you brewing up yet is it brew time yet and them two would just spend hours in the mornings just hanging out without me and I'd wake up obviously later being like <laughs> What have you two been like? You two are just hanging out, so, so it's so yeah. Basically, I approve. Yeah, I think that's lucky because I wouldn't fancy being chased off by Julie, to be honest. So with you being then with Ollie, that brought a new role for you because Ollie has a son. Yeah. So you have become a stepmom. Yeah. So I think as well, you know, as you're growing up when you're young, you always think the dream of you'll find you'll find a man, you'll get married, then you'll have kids or whatever. So you never think that a ready-made one. There's. <laughs> <laughs> that these things happen so for me in the beginning that was how we sort of parted I was on the Hollyoaks vibe of partying all the time and he just had a previous relationship baby coming around so that was always what I knew that he had his son but it was when I met him and he said to me straight away like my son's first point of call, like, he's my world, he's my everything. And I was like, do you know what? That's the coolest thing ever because my mum being a single parent for all my life, like, I was my mum's number one. And so for me, me being the number one for my mum was like, well, yeah, that is all I know as well. And so therefore that makes complete sense that this is what your son's position is in your life. And also... Just the fact that he loves him so much and he just wants him... Like, they've just been playing football at eight in the morning, like, in the garden. It is just insane how much he loves his boy. And for me as well, that was such a... Just a a thing that made me go, oh, you are, like... Commendable. Well, I, I just want him to be the father of my children, really. Because they just see such a great dad in him that's... Incredible, yeah. Your plan to have a family together, it had a really hard start for you guys. Yeah, so we both planned that we wanted a family together. So we did find out that we were pregnant and we were so excited, so happy about it. He didn't believe it was happening, so we had to do like 100 pregnancy tests, not 100, about four. <laughs> um, and so we got excited about it. One of my friends, she has twins, because she has twins in her family. So she said to me, reminded me that, Georgie, you've got twins in your family. Maybe you should have an early, early scan and sort of check, you know, if that's the thing. So we didn't really think anything about it. And we went to an early scan, paid for it and stuff. And we found out that we had three sacks at that time. And that doctor in that moment was like really confused. Sort of a bit like, this is something I've never seen before. We might send you to the hospital. 
it wasn't sort of a great moment yet. There wasn't like a baby in there. So we were just confused. So then we'd gone to the hospital and the doctor there did the scan internally and was sort of like, you've got four inside you. And my first reaction was, I'm too small to have four. <laughs> <laughs> and Ollie was like, four is a lot. So I don't think both of us could grasp what was being told to us. Also, because we were so early on, there was no yolks in the sack. So we had to be kept under... Observation. Yeah, observation. <clears throat> so we had to keep going back quite often, be checked up and like checked on and stuff like that. And so, to be honest, our journey of our pregnancy, even up to that point, was confusing and just sort of high risk we were told a lot that it was high risk a lot and ollie obviously got really upset and stressed and i was just starving tired moody because my hormones were sort of apparently times four so <laughs> mom and ollie were very much like in the beginning before we found out it was four was like not believing her yeah we thought Everyone gets pregnant, George. You don't have to do all this drama. So, I mean, <laughs> I was dealing with that. So <laughs> to deal with that as well. Because I just wanted to sleep all the time and you were all like, yeah. not all of you. Not, and not that severe to my face, but I think you were both like, what is going on? This isn't normal. But, I mean, I was a bit relieved in my behaviour. I think that four was the reason why I was so yeah. dramatic. And I'm, I'm quite... so sorry. Oh, that's nice. I mean, I'm a, dra I'm a dramatic <laughs> person anyway. Who do I get it from? I don't know. Grandma. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I can't even imagine that, like you say, like that initial shock, first of all, like never in your wild, even if you were thinking twins, never in your wildest dreams. Triplets is mad, but quads. Exactly. I, I can't. I can't even start to relate to that. Yeah. But I can understand, as you know, like that having a reason for why you felt that you did because yeah. it's a completely different thing it's a different version of yourself a completely new experience and yeah. it's, it's scary at the best of times I mean also I think what I kind of get choked up when I say this like there's not one person I can relate to about going through that sort of thing because um there aren't many about well no th there isn't and there was no one I mean people with twins and stuff like, my best friend was like, it's hard. But then to have the four of a thought of four... I booked them in for swimming lessons already. <laughs> Mum got really excited about the thought of four. I did think, we can do this. We can. We've got enough people to have one each and swap them yeah. over. That's your attitude as well, though, I yeah. think, is that you can do this. I think if you were going to have someone there for you... Julie's the best one. <laughs> but then, realistically... it was probably a dangerous thing. Well, and... also, I think in my heart, it was either four or none because... Um, oh, sorry, I'm crying. It was either four or none because, like, having grown up with my mum and my grandma, it's always like, whenever we've had a hard time, we'll just get through it together. And my brother, my twin brother, Uncle Lukey, was a massive male support for George. Like, he was the male in the family. Well, it, it was just also, like, even Grandma, obviously, she had four kids. You were a, a four, and you were a twin. 
So really, grandma has always gone through stuff. And I think, because you and grandma have just been so strong together and you support each other so much, no matter what. Generally, when we go through our times, we'd still always laugh together as well. Like, we'd find we'd the humour. Yeah, we'd make humour out of... In these things. Disasters and things, didn't we? Yeah, so really, when I would tell my mum and things, I think when I go to my mum with these problems, all these stressful situations, my mum will always come out with the best advice and also the be the thing of, well, we'll get through it and it's it'll be fine. Because at the same time of all this happening to Georgie... My sister died. Yeah. Georgie's auntie. So we kind of had to be her. a rock for each other, didn't we, really, through this time? Because obviously you were going through really stressful. Well, COVID stopped us from seeing her because she lived in Kent. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it was the midst of COVID as well. So how was that for you as a mum, Julie, to see your baby in that situation? I couldn't have asked for anybody better than Ollie to have been with her. Yeah. If you know what I mean. He was just superb like protecting her and supporting her and everything like that. So I felt I didn't have to do too much of it as a mother, but obviously I was always there. But I could have, like, potential grandma there for me. So obviously there's a loss there for me. Yeah. And she was actually pregnant for three months, so I'm getting used to that. What happened next for you guys? So you've been... You're being monitored, you're being... You're kept under observation... Um, obviously, you know that it's a high-risk pregnancy. I imagine it probably, you know, there's risk involved for yourself and, and the babies, you know. Yeah, we were sort of told that, like, not all might survive. If they did, there's not much chance of full health with babies. So um, there was speaks of sort of you could cancel or something like that. But for me, that I could not live with myself if I cancelled a baby um or selected which one to survive yeah so for nature to take its course was a bit not say a relief but just the thought of okay this is what is meant to happen that's the way it's meant to go so for me i could be strong enough to sort of have the thoughts of right this is what is meant for us i don't want to speak too much for ollie because um he'd probably say his own things but he did find it extremely difficult because I think he would have loved to of us to have a baby as well, any just one or two or any amount, because I just thought it was four or none. We were told that they didn't survive and that it was a miscarriage. Three months you were. So then we were told by the doctor um, none of them have gone further. So um, it was kind of like a business transaction. She kind of said it in a way like, right, that's that, then mopped me up, that was done. And it, for me, I was like, right, okay, that's right, what we've got to deal with, that's what we've got to do, that's what we're doing. Um, and obviously with Ollie, it was a bit more upsetting because I think he was like, no, there's we're still hope, surely that's not it, sort of thing. And then we were told the options of what was available and sort of the doctor was like, by the way, the doctors in the hospital were like, we've never seen this before. So we were literally one in 700,000 that this happens and non, no no doctor has ever come across it. So we were always at a chance of, oh, what, what is, you know, what's the right thing? Um, the doctor said we've never known a miscarriage naturally, like we don't know how, how much would come out or things like that. So we were told those kind of things. So... I had to take into consideration if I had that naturally happen, would I be at work in Teresa hot pants and, you know, this could just 
be a traumatic experience for me. So we had to really think about what way to go about having the miscarriage taken out, really. And we chose under general anaesthetic because I didn't want to think about it or, you know, see it or things like that happen as a traumatic experience for me to go back to. So that was quite stressful in itself because we were just told we don't know how much blood loss, things like that would happen. Um, so we had to have a blood trend, like a, blood, a lot of blood taken out in case things could, you know, too much blood loss and that's it. And Ollie was obviously scared because the doctors were saying, well, you know, it's one in 5,000 chance something she'd die or something like that. And he's literally like, she's just had a one in 700 chance she's got quads. So don't say these statistics to us. Like that's kind of things we don't really want to hear. It's a bit... Mm. And ultimately you don't need, it doesn't matter what the statistic is because he loves you and you're there and it's you're going through it. So being what the yeah. statistics are, don't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, I mean, we were warned and like looked after at Bolton Hospital, they were amazing. They looked after us. They kept popping in, kept giving him cups of teas, which was, you know, major <laughs> they knew fun. that was the way to his heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So on the day of doing it, we were literally both scared together, and he was there from the beginning, and he was there when I arrived back from surgery because it was a big surgery. It was it was pretty scary, but obviously, and like my mum said, having him by my side was the best possible situation because I couldn't have done it without him being there I think with all of his support and just his emotions and just how much he cares and how much he was there so if anything it's brought me and him closer together and actually we now know what we've been through sort of deaths but in both of our families and also what we've gone through the most incredible amount of Things you couldn't even write this stuff, really, could you? I mean, it doesn't. Do you don't even think it's believable? Sometimes I think this isn't real. But with him, like the fact that he was there was literally the best possible outcome. And we know that we want to start a family, and we know that we do definitely want a family together. I've never heard anything like it, and I can't even begin to imagine what that was like to to live through it. And I'm so sorry. Yeah, thank you. How brave you are and it sounds silly because it's it's your life and you've had no choice but to be brave you didn't choose to be brave miscarriage and loss and things like that is definitely something that is only really recently people are starting to talk about openly and I think is so it's so important and even though like you say you know there's the chances of someone listening that will have had exactly the same thing are, are minimal but just the fact that you talk about it will definitely 150 Fifty percent help people that are listening. Yeah, I mean, I've spoke to a few people at work that have been mm-hmm. through the same thing, and I obviously I've, I could never have related to anything like this before. Obviously, I'd have never known how to go about it. Like, I don't know how you start a conversation. I don't know how you can sort of start. But I, there's particularly one woman at work. I noticed signs of the same things that I was going through, and I, th- I had to like put her in a room literally and say I think I've been through the same thing that you've been through and she looked at me and was like wow we couldn't even say it for a minute because you know we can't just but we did and she said to me you're the first person I've been able to go into detail and how I feel and what you know what to talk about because I opened up so much about my story and I'm not a counsellor, I can't say that I can, you know, suggest things for people or what to do, but I know that 
if I can open up and talk about it as much as I can, and hopefully other people can, and hopefully it can open doors to even like little silly things of like, you know, some things will pop up and you just go, oh, that's just got me out of nowhere. Like I've thought I'll see four or I'll see twins being put on Instagram and that'll affect me. But when, when my friends have a baby, I'm like, oh, I love this. Like, this is great. It doesn't trigger anything. But if if there's like multiple things or things like that, I'm a bit like, oh, that's kind of got me a little bit. But I think it's good to talk about it and openly say things. And like me and Ollie openly talk about when we're feeling a bit sad or if we're, you know, a bit something's just popped in we'll go oh we could have had a baby at this point but we don't but you know I think it's good that we talk about it if people want to yeah I think you've hit the nail on the head as well there in the fact that you've both got the ability to be open about it and I think it isn't always easy for and it shouldn't be the way but it isn't always easy for men to articulate that especially in something like you know, a pregnancy and things like that because it's not their body, it's not their, you know, so it's easy to almost feel like they don't have a place to express that. And I think, like you said, Julie, it's so hard. I think it's very easy for them to kind of be forgotten and expect that they've got to be strong for you and actually that it's their loss too. So it sounds like the both of you were, like, extremely lucky to have each other. And I can't even imagine as as a mum, Julie, like, having to watch, you know, like, and, and you said it perfectly, which was you had your own loss to deal with alongside with the loss it's unimaginable but until you then say it or speak to someone like you say like the the lady at work you don't actually realize the amount of people that it's affected because people don't speak about it and until it has I think it's very easy to just think that obviously you know there's those you know statistics in inverted commas but they don't seem real until you have those conversations and the fact that you have put yourself out there enough to say this is what's happened with us it gives a hope to people that might feel they don't really know a way to come through it or that they don't have a partner as you know that's able to articulate it or they don't have a mum that's able to you know show them that they can get through something so a huge thank you for being the person to have the strength to share something that is the rawest thing that's ever gonna have happened in your life like it's not melodramatic to say that it's incredibly brave and it's incredibly important you're clearly like you say a very genuine person and you're so surrounded by love you can see it i'm very lucky (laughs) i think you're both a pretty lucky pair georgie and julie have been so brave to talk about their experience of miscarriage it's not an easy conversation to speak about I have the utmost respect and love for them for being so open with us. But of course, we can't leave the episode there. Before I go, I'm super excited to put forward a little maternal dilemma where we give them a classic parenting problem and see if they both come back with the same solution. We're going to hit you with a maternal dilemma now. I'm really looking forward to the answer to this and I feel like there might even be a story off it. I just get a feeling. Okay, so here is the dilemma. Julie has got a crush on one of the cast members of Hollyoaks. Do you introduce your mum to them or do you keep her at arm's length for everybody's safety? Absolutely. Keep her away. (laughs) Well, generally, with Julie's dilemma, I have to kind of like safeguard her from people anyway. As in, 
She just becomes a bit much. You meet my mum, the next minute she's drawn a portrait of you and she's bringing it in the next day. She will have drawn your face on a pebble. So you laugh, you think this is extreme, but this is literally what has happened. Okay. And if she's... nice. Yeah, I know, mum. You, you do that. So, well, yeah, I, I have to keep her at arm's length. That end, that is it. I do have to go off on my own. Like, like with Torval and Dean, I drew a cartoon of them. She's like, do not go and give them that picture. I Too mean, late. Some, sometimes mum will draw a caricature, so she'll pick out certain bits of someone's face that, like, nice. maybe they, you know... Exaggerate. So, mm, I mean, caricatures, you know, the ones on the street where they do those things and it's like that. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, you answered how I imagined. I didn't imagine that you'd be there being like, yeah, come and have a quick hello. <laughs> no. No, won't no. let me near them. No, near them. Won't let me near anyone. No, don't go near the fitties, mum, at work. Don't <laughs> let me near anybody. No, well, listen, if I don't get if I don't get a pebble with my face on it at some stage, I'm going to be absolutely devo. So <laughs> on that note, I will let you go. And thank you so much, Julie. And thank you so much, Georgie. You've been so much fun. And it's been really thank a real you. privilege. So really, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thanks again to Georgie and Julie for being so incredibly open and honest with us today. Hearing you share the defining moments in your upbringing with your mum and grandma that led to your career highs was very heartwarming. And it goes without saying that your unapologetic honesty of your experiences with miscarriage has been an honour to be a part of and I'm sure it will help so many people that are listening. Join me next time for another tell-all fantastic mother and daughter conversation. And don't forget, you can read Fabulous magazine every week in The Sun on Sunday or every day at thesun.co.uk forward slash fabulous. It's packed full of affordable fashion and beauty tips, plus even more interviews with our most loved female celebs. Before you go, we'd love it if you could follow the podcast. You can do it via your preferred podcast app and it means that you'll never miss an episode. And we'd love it even more if you could give us a rating and leave us a review. Thanks for listening. I'm Peter Todd and this has been Things I Told My Daughter. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.